Ladies and gentlemen, this meeting will now come to order. At this time, the invocation will be provided by Pastor Sherry D. Johnson of Victory Family Worship Center. Won't you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you have allowed us to see and to serve others. We ask that you will bless the families in the city of Richmond, Virginia. Surround us with your love, protection, and peace in these challenging times. We ask, O oh God, that you will grant wisdom to the city council members tonight as they deliberate the various issues that affect the day-to-day experiences of your people. We will give you all glory and honor for the victory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Pastor. We'll now have the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Madam Clerk, please provide the Chamber emergency evacuation announcements followed by citizen speaker guidelines. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwells outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. Citizen Speakers Guidelines. Citizens wishing to speak during public hearing and or citizens' comment period have generally three minutes to speak. Persons appearing before council are not allowed to campaign for public office, promote private business ventures, use language of a personal nature which insults or demeans any person, including comments directed at public officials or staff members that are not related to their official duties, or address or question staff members directly. All questions are to be addressed to the President of Council. Failure to adhere to the guidelines may result in speakers forfeiting any remaining time and further disciplinary actions as necessary, which could include barring from attendance at future meetings of City Council for a period of six months. And Mr. President, for the record, all members of Council are in attendance this evening. Individuals standing in the rear of the Chamber are asked to be seated where seats are available per Council's Rules of Procedure. Also, Council's Rules of Procedure stipulates that applause is only permitted during the awards and presentations portion of tonight's meeting. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Clerk, are there appointments or reappointments for consideration this evening? No, there are none this evening. Okay, let's move on to awards and presentations. Tonight's first recognition being presented by the Honorable Reva Trammell, 8th District Council Representative, recognizes Richmond Deputy Police Chief Stephen R. Drew for nearly 25 years of service on behalf of our community. Joining the Richmond Police Department in July 1993, Deputy Police Chief Stephen R. Drew has served many important and progressive roles, which include police patrol officer, sergeant, lieutenant, 
captain, major, and deputy police chief. His work has included leadership positions on behalf of the divisions of narcotics and homeland security as commander of the second police precinct, as captain in charge of the division of major crimes, and as major in charge of citywide police patrol services. Well known and widely respected for his professionalism, strength through kindness, and ability to connect with people from all walks of life, Deputy Police Chief Drew has earned and been presented with numerous public and community-related awards and recognitions, which include a Richmond City Council Public Service Award and Richmond Police Department Meritorious Police Duty Award. Richmond City Council recognizes, honors, and celebrates Deputy Police Chief Stephen R. Drew for nearly 25 years of service, wishes him well in his new role as Chief of Police for the Newport News Police Department, and thanks him for his service in helping to make Richmond an even better and safer place. My goodness. I have so much to say and just a little bit of time to say it all. Steve, you and I have met back in the day, back in 1995. We worked so hard together on the Jefferson Davis Corridor, everywhere else. When you became our captain, um, you taught us community policing. You taught us how to work together. Um, You would come to all the Civic Association meetings and um, even to my 8th District meeting and... um, listened to all the people that had concerns. Many of them at one time had like 15 different things to say. And you would tell them just to pick three. And then um, when we had another meeting, we come back and we ask them, were those three things taken care of? And they all said yes. And that's how we formed one of the best relationships in the city. Um, I know that um, back in the day when, when there was just so much crime in the city and we just thought together that how do we take care of this? How do we make it better? And um, you would always tell us, don't give up. Gave us your number. Always returned our phone calls. Always worked with us. And um, you made people believe in you. People believed not only in you, but in those officers at 2nd Precinct and all over the city when you moved up to Major Deputy Police Chief. Um, people would always say that it didn't matter who you are, what you are, and I guess that's where I got it from, we're all family. doesn't matter who you worship, who you believe in. We're all family. And um, this is a sad day because I know that we're losing you, and I know it's our loss and their gain. And you'll always be remembered. And I know that you've taken, you've given a lot, a lot of your time, even when you've been on vacation visiting your family, you would always return my phone call and some of the other people, the presidents of the Civic Association, when they would call and ask different things from you. And also, um, like I said, you had taken a part of not only myself, but my 8th district with you. And I pray to God you never forget us. Pray to God. Thank you, uh, Ms. Trammell. Oh, boy, this is a tough one. Uh, You know, some of my constituents cried when they heard you were leaving. Um, It's really, uh, uh, that was tough news to hear, but, and I'm, my guess is is this is embarrassing (laughs) you here because you're not exactly uh, wanting the limelight, but you're doing the work. Uh, And, you know, the old saying is that uh, there's show horses and workhorses, and you are a workhorse. And, we just are going to miss you greatly, but we know that there's good things that are going to happen for the city of Newport News 
and I am green with jealousy uh, that you are going there. Um, just been so many conversations that we have had uh, about the safety of our citizens, and when you when you go to those funerals of the twelve year old girl, those are some tough days, and you're there. Uh, and your officers were there on the scene. There wasn't a dry in the house. And so I appreciate your dedication to our city and can't wish you uh, any more happiness in Newport News. Uh, We can't uh, be selfish and hold you down (laughs) because you've always lifted us up. So thank you for that. So I just want to thank you for your service, and um, you're true to the community policing model everywhere you go. You've never met a stranger, and um, it doesn't matter who the person is or what their walk in life. I've seen you engage and really um, share your service and um, vision and love with members of the community. So... um, it's greatly appreciated all that you've done to help um, our communities, our respective communities within the city. Chief Joseph. Thank you. I was not going to say anything. So <laughs> make it short. Okay. Um, which I'm not noted for, but I'll try. Um, just want to say thank you for nearly a quarter of a century of just incredibly dedicated service to our city and our community. I've been out in the community on many occasions uh, with you, and so uh, have a sense of that commitment to building community, working with community, and just really want to say thank you. And we wish you well uh, in your new um, home place of Newport News. Uh, We'll keep the lights on for you just in case. So, But really just want to say thank you. Uh, Chief, you'd like to say something? Please go ahead. Chief here. The chief. Here you go. (laughs) Well, good evening, everyone. First of all, you know, three and a half years I assume commanded this department. And when you come in, you're looking for your talent, someone you could take under the wing. While there were quite a few within the police department, Drew stuck out. One, when you talk about just his community engagement. One, caring about not only the personnel but the community. You know, in in the police culture, there's a thing called the shepherds and the sheep. The shepherds come and go, but the sheep, meaning police officers, they remain the same. So while uh, Chief Drew will be going down to Newport News, the shepherd will change, but the sheep will remain the same. And again, it's up to the shepherds to guide that sheep. And when you think about it, this journey called life, you know, again, 25 years in one place. And Steve is not even 50 years old yet. So to tell you, he still have a lot in him. And it's, again, it's for leaders, managers to identify that talent and try to take them to wing. But Drew is a guy that 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, like you said, if there's a problem, we're on the phone talking 24-7. If I couldn't be at a community meeting, boss, I got it. That's the kind of talent we have. And I'd like everyone to know Chief now would join a, another seven 
former members of the RPD who had assumed command as chiefs of police all across this commonwealth. So that's a testament to you and your outstanding work. You will be sorely missed, and best of luck to you in your future endeavors, Chief. You all just going to stand right there? <laughs> well, uh, uh, President and Council members, I just want to say thank you for all the help you've given me over the years, the advice, the partnerships. We work in a lot of hard neighborhoods and hard issues, so I'm very grateful. Steve, I'm so honored to give this to you. And this right here is your angel. You think about all of us. Mr. President, that concludes the formal awards docket for this evening. Thank you, uh, Madam Clerk. Uh, that, was, that was something special. We appreciate you very much, uh, Chief, and wish you the best. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call the list of uh, citizen comments, period, speakers. The first speaker is L. Shirley Harvey. Good evening. Good evening. My, na my name is L. Shirley Harvey, and I'm here on an occasion of love, too, because when you give a warning to make sure that people don't go in the wrong direction or don't run off the bridge or whatever, it's done in a matter of love. But we here in America are the last stages before the complete destruction, and we need to wake up. This is a spiritual thing. The Bible tells us that God does nothing unless he first notifies his prophets. Prophets, including Jesus himself in Matthew 24, have told us about the coming destruction. America will not be a ruling country in these last days. Chuck Jonell Youngbrandt, I wish you would go look him up, was a prophet has warned us through his tapes, books, and conversations that America will be destroyed and that 70% of the American population will die because we kill millions upon millions of our babies, allow same-sex marriages, enslave our people, allow corruption in our governments and churches, turn our faces from God and disobey his every word. City and state governments will soon fail. The only way to make it through the coming devastation of America is to repent, to pray, to turn from our wicked ways, and to surrender to God's will. 
See Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, as to know how to be saved. Mr. Youngbrandt has foretold that God will allow huge earthquakes that will cause the water from the Great Lakes to cause a tsunami that will destroy Chicago, that the Mississippi River will swell and take out the cities on either side all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Other countries, Nicaragua, Cuban, Cuba, China, Russia will destroy American cities with nuclear bombs, including Richmond, Virginia, New York City, Philadelphia, and others. Russia, Japan, and China will then invade and occupy America through the beaches of Maybe Delaware. 30 seconds. Chuck Rambrandt is not the only prophet who has seen these similar coming events. Dimitri Dudeman came from Romania to preach to Americans that in one day America will burn. It's my, it's my time up. John Paul Jackson, in flights in America, earthquakes, food hoarding, joblessness. We have Patricia Green Show, Kim Clement, Henry Groover, Sunda Selvaraj, Lois Vogel Sharp, and Byron Seals. I hope you will take a minute to look at this and pray for your particular district. Thank you, Ms. Harvey. The next speaker is Princess Blanding. We'll maintain order in the chamber. Continue, Madam Clerk. The next speaker is Princess Blanding. Good evening, President Hilbert, Vice President Newbill, and members of council. My name is Princess Blandon, very proud sister of Marcus David Lamar Peters. I come before you to express my dismay, my disgust, and my disappointment in the decision of a Richmond police officer that a Richmond police officer made to take the life of my brother Marcus Peters, who was clearly unarmed and in need of help. Furthermore, my disappointment continues at the higher levels, as instead of taking responsibility and stating that you all messed up and extended your sincere condolences to my family, Richmond Police Department was insincere, judgmental, and prepared to defend your officer without releasing complete information to the public. Richmond Police Department had the audacity to attempt to take one moment of distress in my brother's life where he was clearly calling out for help and then attempted to take that moment and make it define and override all of the positive things that my brother has done and all of his achievements. The following statement was made about the mental health training that uh, Richmond police officers received. We give you 40 hours and people expect us to get it right. Well, yes, we absolutely expect you to get it right when your officers have the power to take a person's life. Richmond Police Department, if 40 hours is not enough training, is not enough time, then it is your responsibility to ensure that officers know their limitations and are prepared to call upon others with better training and skills needed to address people experiencing a mental health crisis. Richmond Police Department should not be allowed to use the excuse of lack of training to justify the de decision to end someone's life. 
Richmond Police Department attempted to paint my brother as this superhuman being who was able to withstand being hit by a vehicle, then tased with the full amount of voltage intended to be delivered. Richmond Police Department staff watched the full video in slow motion along with my uncle and I, and it was clearly stated that Marcus was not hit by a vehicle. He was swiped by a vehicle. Marcus was tased, but both of the electrodes did not penetrate his body as evidenced by the autopsy. However, Richmond Police Department took pride and painted a negative false image of my brother. Shame on you, Richmond Police Department. Ma'am, you have 30 seconds. If what you have done thus far is what you call being transparent, the community and I will pass on what you have to offer because there is still so many unanswered questions. Richmond Police Department, if you really want to be transparent, then my family and I, supporting organizations in the community, demand a meeting with you on our terms at a time, place, and location of our choosing because you will need to answer the following questions. What does Richmond Police Department know about what took place at the Jefferson Hotel? I mean, Marcus was able to safely drive home from his teaching job in Essex, Virginia, to his home in Henrico. Marcus was then able to safely drive from home to the Jefferson Hotel. Marcus parked his car in front of the Jefferson Hotel. He did not ride up on the sidewalk. He did not drive through the building. Marcus then walked in the hotel, and he waved at someone. And then the footage is very scattered with no timestamp, and Marcus appearing and disappearing. What happened after Marcus arrived at the hotel? Was there some nefarious action uh, taken towards him there? Has Richmond Police Department been investigating these questions? What investigation has Richmond Police Department done to learn why it took the staff at the Jefferson over two hours to call the police after Marcus left, and why weren't any of his emergency contacts called? What has Richmond Police Department done uh, to work with other jurisdictions to obtain relevant footage of Marcus driving from his teaching job to his home and from his home to the Jefferson Hotel? Richmond Police Department should know that acquiring and releasing this information is extremely important in helping the community understand what took place, and the family would like answers as to what you have done to get this information. Why did you stop showing that body camera footage after a state trooper told the officer that shot Marcus to put his gun away and return to his vehicle? I mean, I'm sure that body camera is not smart enough to take the commands of a state trooper, as we do not see the officer bring his hand up to his body camera to deactivate it. These are all serious holes in the family and community's knowledge about what happened to Marcus both before and after he was killed by a Richmond police officer. And until we get answers to these questions from Richmond Police Department, we will never rate what you have done thus far as being anything close to transparent. Transparency means answering these questions. Transparency means you will acknowledge to the public that Marcus was not hit by a car but rather swiped and that only one of the two electrodes penetrated his body. Transparency means being honest and not trying to portray Marcus as some superhuman being that was a deadly threat to your officer. Why not admit that when you mess up and you make a mistake that you're wrong? I strongly believe that when pointing out problems, it is equally important to offer solutions. So here are our demands that we believe will yield solutions moving forward. These demands also define what justice for Marcus looks like to us and how we need to go forward with reformation of the Richmond Police Department and, uh, excuse me, and policing culture in general to ensure that no family ever has to suffer this tragedy again. Richmond Police Department, 
you must release publicly the current Richmond Police Department's policies on training officers in crisis intervention and mental health stabilization, the 40-hour training that you referred to, as well as the specific details of the training. Richmond Police Department must then ask experts in crisis intervention to assess the Richmond Police Department's crisis intervention policy and training practices. Richmond Police Department, you must also release the conclusion of this assessment to the family and public. The Richmond Police Department, together with members of my family, members of the community, limited elected officials and law and policy makers, must work together to create a Marcus Alert to be implemented in the city of Richmond. When a community member is experiencing a mental health crisis, others in the community will know to use this alert to notify a crisis management team comprised of special, uh, specialized mental health and crisis intervention first responders who will not be members of the police department or law enforcement officers. The crisis management team's primarily objective will be to stabilize the situation in a non-lethal manner. This alert will also have the uh, capability to advise law enforcement that they are requested to be present on the scene and to stand by to assist the crisis management team in a possible mental health crisis and that the person is unarmed. Any respondent officer, uh, excuse me, any respondent law enforcement officer will employ, if necessary, non-lethal tools such as a net gun, pepper spray, a baton, a taser, and prepare to use hands-on tactics if a member of the crisis management team requests law enforcement assistance. Our goal with this demand is to develop a model that can be replicated across the country where it is no longer expected that police officers will be asked to do the job of trained mental health professionals. The community does not accept that police are the proper people to keep the community safe during a mental health crisis, including the person experiencing the crisis and others nearby. The team of community members and limited elected officials who work on the Marcus Alert will identify Richmond Police Department funds that can be reallocated to fund the creation of this new non-law enforcement crisis management team of mental health first responders that will be housed outside of Richmond Police Department. The experts that assess Richmond Police Department's current policy will also recommend protocols for the Richmond Police Department when engaging with crisis management teams. If you think that Richmond Police Department does not have the skills or training to get it right when your officers respond to a mental health crisis, you must give your full cooperation and support in creating the system of non-law law enforcement first responders who will have those skills and training. The officer that killed Marcus needs to be held accountable for his actions as well. Richmond Police Department must turn over this investigation to the Commonwealth of Virginia with the recommendation that the officer be judged in the court of law regarding whether his decision to shoot my unarmed brother was or was not legally justified. This officer served as judge, jury, and executioner of my brother. We think he must be made to defend his actions in the court of law, an opportunity that he took away from my brother. Moreover, because the officer did not fulfill his duties to protect and serve the community as the only one that he seemed to have protected was himself, you must recognize failure of your officer and ensure that he does not continue to as a member of the Richmond Police Department. Richmond Police Department, since you now know what my family and the community believes real transparency looks like, you must make a sincere apology to my family for the death of my brother without being insensitive, without being judgmental, and without trying to defend your officer and justifying his actions before you have fully answered all of the questions that remain regarding what happened to my brother the day he was killed. 
Again, my brother Marcus David Peters, he needed help, not death. Madam Clerk, if you'd call the next speaker. The next speaker is Joseph Rogers. Good evening, President Hilbert, Vice President Newbill, and members of council. My name is Joseph Rogers, and I stand here today in support of the family of Marcus David Peters. Our city's residents, workers, and visitors have likely or will likely experience events of traumatic nature in their lives. There are facts of living that are not unique to our city, as certain studies will show that an estimated 70% of adults in the country have experienced a traumatic event, nearly 20% of them going on to develop post-traumatic stress disorder. Our city's residents, workers, and visitors have likely or will likely experience mental health issues, as estimates claim 43.8 million Americans experience some form of mental illness in a given year. Several major disorders developing in the late teens to early 20s for men in the U.S. Our city's residents, visitors, and workers have or likely will experience substance abuse disorders as have more than 20 million Americans, living in, leading to an overall decrease in the life expectancy for this country in, two, in 2016 and the declaration of a public health emergency the following year. I mention all of these things because there has been speculation as to why an accomplished graduate and high school teacher such as Marcus Peters would be in a state that he was in on May 14th. And But one thing was clear. Marcus was in crisis. And our police department has stated that it provides crisis intervention tra training for its officers. Actions taken after that officer identified a mental health situation still resulted in Marcus being shot twice in the abdomen. If we accept as fact that the training provided was implemented as intended, then why did the officer find himself in a position to use lethal force in fear of his life? Was that training not sufficient to instruct him on how to address, address a situation like this? How many other officers will be required to use lethal force as a result? What kind of trauma are we willing to put them through? If we accept as fact that this training is supposed to minimize harm and the loss of life and to de-escalate a situation with a person in crisis, then why was Marcus Peters not sitting in his class with his students this morning? Why will he never do so again? How many of our city's residents, workers, and visitors already at a statistically high risk will find themselves in a similar situation to Marcus? How many of them are we willing to accept to have the same outcome? It is because of these reasons that Marcus's family and this community Sir, you have 30 seconds. public release of the details of 40 hours of crisis intervention training program implemented by our police department. We demand that the training be reviewed by independent professionals and evaluate the program's effectiveness and ensure that such training will result in help, not death. Furthermore, we demand the creation and implementation of, as we heard earlier, a Marcus Alert that should be a ready signal for all first responders when encountering persons in crisis and ensure that proper procedures and skilled personnel with specialized training are called to the scene. We make these demands because they are reasonable. We make these demands because they are right and we make these demands because they are just. And we hope that you, President Hilbert, and members of council will support us in, as we continue to openly call for these demands going forward. Thank you. Ms. Keel. The next speaker is Rebecca Keel. Hello. 
Council President Hilbert, Vice President Newbill. My name is Rebecca Keel, and I speak as a community organizer, advocate for justice and reformation, and as a conflict resolution and restorative justice facilitator. Our demand number three, a sincere apology from Chief of Police Alfred Durham for the preventable death of Marcus David Peters. As someone who works in restorative justice and conflict resolution, I share this wisdom. One must admit harm when harm is done. And that is truly how we as a society and as we as a city begin our healing. Demand number four, enactment of a democratically elected civilian review board with subpoena power. In a recent article in the Richmond Times-Dispatch by Michael Paul Williams, it stated, if the Richmond Police Department continues to reject transparency, it will sacrifice trust. There is a current police accountability coalition between Southerners on New Ground, New Virginia Majority, the Legal Aid Justice Center, Criminal Rights and Racial Justice Program, and the Advancement Project to further this campaign, especially in the light of the death of Marcus David Peters. The community has been asking for more transparency from the Richmond Police Department, and it must comply if it wants community trust. Demand number five. Chief Alfred Durham and Mayor LeVar Stoney to attend a community meeting held by the community for the community to discuss RPD's policies, procedures, and accountability. The date of this will be June 30th, location at Second Baptist Church. We also ask that you, Council President Hilbert, Vice President Newbill, and other members of council to join us in support for this movement for justice and reformation. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Clerk. The next speaker is Lynetta Thompson. Good evening, City Council members. Good evening. Um, the demands have been read, but I wanted to just come and say that we, the community, know that in order for, oh, in order for the people to be heard, in order for the people to have full accountability, it is important that we not only talk about transparency, but that we actually exemplify it by not protecting those that, that are wrong. And when something is wrong, it is important that management and administrations admit that sometimes they get it wrong. That's true transparency. And what we are standing on is the fact that it seems to be a culture, a, a practice of, of black men, um, poor people, not being heard and not being held, um, just giving their fair due in terms of administrations being held accountable. So in moving forward, and definitely I think the community really saw how the people came out around this issue, even though it, it, it appeared that you wanted to make this young man look like he were some type of superhuman person to get hit by a car, 
to be tased, and then to run consciously to an officer with a weapon and leave it there and just leave it there. And I think when we do that, we play on the intelligence of the community, and it's not fair. So I think with that march, people came out, people showed their support. All organizations, they even now, it's like, what's next? They're not asking what's next because they just want to see something happen. They want accountability. Now, you say that this is um, respect Richmond, but... Richmond is divided into where it just seems so obvious to be black and white or rich and poor, the haves and have-nots, because of the things that's being done throughout the city. Ma'am, you have 30 seconds. And so it's accountability on all sides. Um, Our schools are not being funded. People are getting put out of their homes. And the Richmond area has just become a community of gentrification where... Where's the black people that lived here? Where are we? Where are the where's you know, so and I'm just being very honest because these are questions that that I know you're being asked, but they're not being answered publicly. So the people are standing up and we will continue to ask and demand accountability. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Clerk. The next speaker is Antonio Red. That concludes the list of citizen comment period speakers. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Let's move on to review amendments to tonight's agenda. Mr. President, the amendments to tonight's agenda are as follows. Item number one, ordinance number 2017-242 will be continued to the Monday, July 23rd council meeting. Item number 17, ordinance number 2018-101 will be continued to the Monday, June 25th council meeting. Item number 18, ordinance number 2018-110, there will be consideration of a proposed amendment later this evening, and if approved, will be continued to the Monday, June 25th council meeting. Item number 19, ordinance number 2018-126, will also be continued to the Monday, June 25th council meeting. And Mr. President, those are all the amendments to tonight's agenda. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Does any member of council have additional amendments to tonight's agenda? Seeing none, is there a motion to accept the agenda as amended? Mr. Jones, will you make that motion? Mr. Addison, will you second? Second. Council is now voting on this evening's amendments as presented. Mr. Jones? Aye. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Mr. Algelasto? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. And President Hilbert? Aye. The amended agenda is before you. And Mr. President, the consent, consent agenda consists of the following items. Item number two, ordinance 2018-044. Item number three, ordinance number 2018-118. Item four, ordinance 2018-119. Item 5, Ordinance 2018-120. Item 6, Ordinance 2018-121. Item 7, Ordinance 2018-122. 
Item 8, Ordinance Number 2018-123. Item 9, Ordinance 2018-124. Item 10, Ordinance 2018-125. Item 11, Ordinance 2018-156. Item 12, Resolution 2018-R046. Item 13, Resolution 2018-R047. Item 14, Resolution 2018-R048. Item 15, Resolution 2018-R049, and Item Number 16, Resolution 2018-R050. Mr. President, those are all the items on tonight's consent agenda. Thank you, Madam Clerk. We'll now have a public hearing on the consent agenda item. Uh, are there any persons who wish to speak in opposition to any of the items on the consent agenda? Seeing none, are there members who wish to speak, excuse me, are there persons who wish to speak in favor of any items on the consent agenda? Before I begin, I, before I, begin, I wanted to pass something out to the body. Okay. That's okay. Yes. You want me to approach? Yes. Uh, I didn't have enough for everyone, but I wanted to make sure you had one, Mr. President. And, well, thank uh, everyone you. Else. Hey, please go ahead. Uh, thank you. My name is Omario Qaddafi. I'm the founder of Leaders of the New South. Uh, firstly, I wanted to thank, uh, thank this body for reworking uh, several of the uh, items on the agenda. A lot of people in the community credited me, you know, with uh, getting the word out there. But I want to thank the body for getting those purchaser agreements on the uh, uh, the items for the Anna Julia Cooper School. Um, a lot of times we see a lot of the decisions that are made in this city and particularly in this room don't really work to the benefit of citizens. And um, I understand how hard that is to work uh, in the interest of residents when they're often excluded from any type of meaningful conversations and actions regarding land use and other resources in the city. And we have to wonder to what degree this exclusion is intentional and malicious. Recently, a community advocate in the 8th District who is a model for civic engagement was met with threats from a council person, harassment, intimidation, and libel from a developer's employee and all this for daring to step out of line and ask Churchill Ventures LLC and other wealthy stakeholders questions about their attempt to expand the Manchester Historic District to engulf and eliminate the Blackwell neighborhood and name. Unfortunately, fortunately, we were able to clean up, clean up some of the filth that was involved with these ordinances involving Anna Julia Cooper School which was basically gifted to them during T.K. Salmanoff's tenure with the Housing Authority. But we have to stop doing business this way. These backdoor deals that are deliberated for months and then slapped onto the consent agenda erode trust and leadership in the, uh, trust in the leadership of this council. 
Now, this document that I just handed out to you, this is version two of the annual plan for the housing authority. If you go to uh, page two, you will see the second page. You will see down at the bottom it says RHA's plans to submit, demolish, and disposition applications for the six large housing developments in the city. If you go to the next page, you will see where the RTO organization signed this annual plan, okaying these, um, these plans. Now, this was signed on the 14th day of June. If you turn the page, you will see where the CAO signed off on this annual plan. You turn one more page, you will see that, if you bear with me, this is very important information. Um, if, you, if you'll see on this next page, this was a special meeting that was held by the Housing Authority, a special retreat for the uh, real estate development committee where this was held after the RTO had already signed off on the annual plan. This is version two of this annual plan because the version that they signed off on did not have anything about demolishing all the public housing. And you will see that furthermore, if you look at the next two documents, you will see that it attests to this, that they really f came about the, the consideration of demolishing all of the plans during that June 28th real estate committee retreat. All of the rest of the documents were signed after the RTO signed that. And basically, this just shows that there has been no tenant input, no conversations have been had with the tenants regarding the demolishing of the public housing complexes in this city. This is just typical of the same type of thing we've been talking about, about the housing authority for months, the same kind of lack of accountability and transparency that several of you guys have talked about. You can't get anything out of them. And um, I just wanted that to be brought to everyone's attention you know, because it falls in line with what we're talking about regarding Marcus David Peters. We want accountability, we want transparency, we want to restore the faith and leadership in this room. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to speak in favor of any of the items on the consent agenda? Yes, sir. Good evening, Mr. President, Madam Vice President, and members of the council. My name is Roland Winston. I'm the chairman and executive director of an organization called Mothers and Others and the Advocacy Committee Chair for Glisson Richmond. And I just want to thank the patrons, Ms. Robertson, Mr. Agilesto, for 2018-044, and the Education Committee for moving along the amendments on that. We appreciate all your support on this. Thank you. So anyone else that wants to speak in favor of any of the items on the consent agenda? Public hearing is now closed to bring it back to council for discussion. Madam Clerk, please call the question. Council is now voting on the consent agenda items as presented. Mr. Jones. Madam Clerk, if you just make a note, anything pertaining to uh, Anna Ju or AJC, Anna Julia Cooper, uh, I will be in favor of everything except those uh, particular items. I'm sorry, Mr. Jones, I could barely hear you. Were you stating your Anything approval? pertaining to Anna Julia Cooper, Episcopal School. Uh, all right, so, of, so approval of all except for items 3 through 10. Exactly. All right. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Mr. Agilasto? Aye. Ms. Gray. Aye. 
Ms. Trammell. Aye. Mr. Addison. Aye. Vice President Newbill. Aye. And President Hilbert. Aye. Those papers have been adopted. Uh, Madam Clerk, let's move on to the regular agenda. There are no regular agenda items for consideration at this time. However, there is a proposed amendment to item number 18, Ordinance 2018-110. Would you like me to proceed with that? Yes, I would. And that is to amend city code to modify the city's residency requirements so that it applies only to the chief administrative officer, the chief of fire and emergency services, and the chief of police. The proposed amendment to that paper is as follows. Page 1, line 5, after the word requirement, strike the text so that it applies only to the chief administrative officer, the chief of fire and emergency services, and the chief of police. Page 3, line 18, at the beginning of the line, add the text 4, director of planning and development review, 5, director of of Economic Development, 6, Director of Finance, 7, Director of Public Utilities, 8, Director of Public Works, 9, Director of Social Services, 10, Director of Information Technology, 11, Deputy Chief Administrative Officer, 12, Council Chief of Staff, 13, City Attorney, 14, City Clerk. Page 6, line 5, after the stricken subsection letter H, add the text notwithstanding the requirement to reside within the city as provided in subsection B of this section, all persons who are appointed to hold any of the positions listed in subsection Section B of this section and who have their principal residence within the Richmond-Petersburg metropolitan statistical area at the time of their appointment may maintain such existing residence upon obtaining a residency waiver. A request for a residency waiver may be considered by an appointing authority only upon receipt of written documentation from the person selected demonstrating either of the following situations. One, moving to the city will cause such person to either lose on the sale of the existing residence or expend on the purchase of a new residence an amount of money greater than twice the amount of increase in annual salary generated by the appointment. Two, moving to the city will cause such person to lose eligibility for special educational, medical, or other special family services which are not available in the city. Or three, such person is the sole caretaker of an immediate family member and has to maintain such person's residence in close proximity to that family member to continue to provide such care. Page six, line 21, at the beginning of the line, insert the subsection letter D. After the word appointed, insert the phrase on a full time basis. Page 7, line 8, after the stricken subsection letter J, strike the inserted subsection letter D and insert the subsection letter E. Page 7, line 21, at the beginning of the line, insert the subsection F, any person occupying a position to which the residence requirements would otherwise apply, but who prior to July 1, 2018 was not required to maintain a principal residence within the city shall not, by virtue of adoption of the ordinance from which this section is derived, be required to establish a principal residence in the city. Such person, however, shall be subject to the residence requirements if promoted to a more responsible position after adoption of the ordinance from which this section is derived. Page 8, line 4, after the word effect, strike the phrase upon adoption and add the phrase on July 1, 2018. I will need a motion to accept the proposed amendment as read and to continue this paper to the Monday, June 25th council meeting. Councilwoman Trammell, will you make that motion? So moved, Madam Clerk. Is there a second? Second. Council is voting on the motion to amend and continue item 18, ordinance 2018-110 to the June 25th council meeting as stated. Mr. Jones? Aye. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Mr. Agilasto? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. President Hilbert? Aye. The motion passes. That paper will be before you again as amended on June 25th. 
Thank you, Madam Clerk. Are there papers for expedited consideration? Yes, there are two. The first is a resolution to approve $105.70 from the council district funds for the 8th district to reimburse for a payment of $105.70 to Costco Wholesale Corporation for snack items purchased items served at the 8th district community meeting on May 17, 2018. I will need a motion to expedite consideration of this paper. Council Member Gray, will you make that motion? So moved. Mr. Agilesto, will you second that? Second. Council is voting on the motion to expedite consideration of the proposed resolution as read. Mr. Jones. Ms. Robertson. Ms. Larson. Aye. Mr. Agilesto. Aye. Ms. Gray. Aye. Ms. Trammell. Aye. Mr. Addison. Aye. Vice President Newbill. Aye. President Hilbert. Aye. The motion passes and that paper is before you for consideration. Okay, are there... Uh or a public hearing on this item, I believe? Is that? Yes, there should be right, a public yes. hearing on this paper. There, uh, is there anyone that wishes to speak in favor of uh, this resolution? Anyone opposed? Bring it back to council for discussion. Madam Clerk, please call the question. Council is voting on the proposed resolution as read. Mr. Jones. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Mr. Agilasto? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. President Hilbert? Aye. The paper has been adopted. Thank the you. next paper for expedited consideration is a resolution to approve $75 from the council district funds for the 8th district to reimburse for a payment of $75 to Jerry Blow for providing sound system services for the 8th district community meeting on June 21st, 2018. I will need a motion to expedite consideration of this paper. Council Member Jones, will you make that motion? Council Member Larson, will you second that? Second. Council is voting on the motion to expedite consideration of the proposed resolution as read. Mr. Jones. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Larson? Aye. Mr. Agilesto? Aye. Ms. Gray? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. President Hilbert? Aye. The motion passes. That paper is before you for consideration. Thank you. We'll open up a public hearing on this item. Is there anyone who wishes to speak in favor of this paper? Is there anyone who wishes to speak in opposition? Public hearing is now closed. Bring it back to council for discussion. Madam Clerk, please call the question. Council is voting on the proposed resolution as read. Mr. Jones. Ms. Robertson. Ms. Larson. Aye. Mr. Agilasto. Aye. Ms. Gray. Aye. Ms. Trammell. Aye. Mr. Addison. Aye. Vice President Newbill. Aye. President Hilbert. Aye. That paper has been adopted. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Let's move on to the approval of the minutes. Yes, the minutes to be approved are from the May 29th, 4 p.m. informal, May 29th, 6 o'clock p.m. formal, and the June 4, 5 o'clock p.m. special meeting. I need a motion to approve those minutes. Ms. No. So moved. Second. Council is voting on the motion to approve the minutes as presented. Mr. Jones? Ms. Robertson? Yes, ma'am, it was May the 29th. Okay, great. Ms. Larson? Aye. Ms. Agilesto? Aye. Ms. Gray? 
Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Mr. Addison? Aye. Vice President Newbill? Aye. President Hilbert? Aye. Thank you. Those minutes have been approved. Thank you. Let's move on to reports and announcements, uh, starting with which council member here would like to go first. Uh, Ms. Larson. Okay. Thank you. Um, first, I would like to speak about an event um, that Council Member Trammell and I were able to attend last Thursday. It was a, an event, um, a service at the Carillon to remember fallen fire and EMS members. And I guess this is uh, the first time in recent history that the city has been able to host this event. It was a, a really nice service, and I just wanted to thank um, Chief Carter. I don't know if he's here tonight or not. Oh, yes, thank you. And as well as Keith Andes, who I think did some behind-the-scenes um, planning for that. It was very nice, and I was honored to attend with Councilmember Trammell. Um, a couple calendar things. This Thursday, I have my fourth district meeting. It's at 6 p.m. at Huguenot Community Center. So that's Thursday, June 14th. Our agenda is packed. We are going to have um, general assembly updates from Delegate Betsy Carr and Delegate Don Adams, who both represent parts of the fourth district. We're also going to have an intro um, from our new city auditor, Lou Lassiter, and then our city assessor is going to say hello to the 4th District residents. And I'm sure he will answer some questions about um, taxes and whatnot. Um, and then I will give a short update. And we have a couple other events in the community over the next couple weeks. Tomorrow night, Westover Hills Neighborhood Association has their meeting at Cafe Zata on Forestal Avenue. That's at 7 p.m. The following week, Forest Hill Neighborhood Association meeting has their meeting on Tuesday night, June 19th at 7 p.m. at Forest Hill Prez. And then the same night at 7.15, Southampton Citizens Association meets at Southampton <laughs> Rec Association. Um, if you need to get in touch with me, you can call me on my cell phone at 804 503-1313, or you can email me at kristen.larson at richmondgov.com. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Larson. Uh, anyone else? Mr. Jones. Thank you, Mr. President. Please join us for uh, our South Side, our 9th District uh, Community Meeting, Thursday, June 14th at the South Side Community Center, 6255 Old Warwick Road. We will host our district meeting, our monthly district meeting that evening. Please plan on attending this meeting as we will have uh, an important presentation from the city planning staff uh, on updating the master plan. Uh, as a part of the updating process, uh, we will review land use and zoning. Uh, this is and will be a great opportunity to give input uh, on the vision you have for the district. Zoning changes that limit uses, such as nightclubs, can only happen if residents come out and make themselves heard. City staff will uh, also preview plans for uh, the final construction phases of the Southside Community Center. 
there they are there are exciting changes coming uh, to the center and I can't wait uh, for each and every one of you to hear those we will have uh, our scheduled meeting with the mayor uh, in the month of July more information will be forthcoming but I want everyone to plan uh, uh, on attending in July uh, I look forward to attending uh, school graduations this week especially uh, I want to welcome and be I'm grateful for the opportunity to deliver remarks at Elkhart Middle School uh, uh, at their commencement, and I wish uh, the students and their proud parents uh, the best of futures. And to all of our graduates uh, in all of our RPS schools, uh, congratulations and Godspeed. For more information on meetings, city services, uh, or upcoming events, call my office at 804-646-2779. That's 646-2779. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Uh, next member, Ms. Gray. Sorry about that. I had okay. gone to another page here. Um, on Tuesday, June 12th, the VCU Division of Community Engagement will be holding a neighborhood forum from 4 to 5.45 p.m., at the Institute for Contemporary Art, located at 601 West Broad Street. On Wednesday, June 13th, the Richmond 300 Master Plan Project will be holding a public meeting to discuss the parking and circulation study of the Scotts Edition neighborhood from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. at Studio 23, located at 3300 West Clay Street. Also on Wednesday, June 13th, the Richmond 300 Master Plan Project will be holding a public meeting to discuss its parking study of the Fan neighborhood from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Central DMV located at 2300 West Broad Street. On Thursday, June 14th, the Richmond 300 Master Plan Project will be holding a public meeting to discuss its parking study of the downtown and Jackson Ward neighborhoods from 10 a.m. to 12 noon at the main library located at 101 East Franklin Street. On Monday, June 18th, the West Gray Street Association Board of Directors will be holding its regular monthly meeting from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Central DMV located at 2300 West Broad Street in conjunction with a GRTC meeting to receive public comment about the location of a new bus stop near the intersection of West Broad Street and DMV Drive. And on Tuesday, June 19th, the Historic Jackson Ward Association will be holding a special meeting to discuss parking in the neighborhood at 6 p.m. at the Unos Jackson Center located at 501 North 2nd Street. Um, so that is all of the announcements I have for the second district. I did um, want to make one brief comment about um, my disappointment and the structurally unsound um, way that the school board chose to allocate one-time funding and um, offer pay increases to staff and teachers. I think it's something that we need to um, make known that we are not happy about. I think it was um, a bad move. It's, it's a recipe for disaster for any body to budget that way, and I think it puts us in a very precarious situation moving forward. Um, we have city employees who serve our children in the city who haven't seen a raise in a decade, and um, I understand the need for pay increases, 
but on a more profound level. I mean, we cut budgets and parks and rec. We cut budgets and social services and other areas that serve our children so um, that we could provide for our schools. And those are agencies, and there are several more um, that serve our children as well, and those employees are not seeing any increases. Um, their programs aren't seeing any increases. So I would respectfully um, like to ask this body to respond formally to that those um, budget decisions and um, ask how are we supposed to work collaboratively together when um, these types of games are being played with people's lives. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Ms. Robertson. Thank you, Mr. President. I have three announcements, all are related to the parking and circulation study that is being done and meetings that are being held in the 6th District. Um, the first meeting is tomorrow, June the 12th, at Six Points Community Senior Housing uh, Center at 1221 Holland Park, off of Brooklyn Park Boulevard. It's 1221 Brooklyn Park Boulevard at 6.30 to 8.30. The next meeting uh, in the district for the parking and circulation study is on June the 14th at um, the downtown library, main library at 101 East Franklin Street from 10 o'clock in the morning to 12 noon. And the third meeting um, will be held at um, Plant Zero for the Manchester community. And that will be held on Thursday, June the 14th on 4th Street, right off of Hall uh, in Manchester from 6.30 to 8.30 on June the 14th. And I want to encourage those communities to participate in this discussion. Uh, we get a lot of calls about parking and circulation, uh, and this is an opportunity for your concerns to be addressed and the plans that are being created. If you have any questions about any of those, you can give me a call at 804-314-7658 or 804-646-7964. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Addison. Thank you, Council President. Um, I myself also have only the parking announcement. Um, we have the Libby Corridor as their parking study as results as part of the Richmond 300 plan being discussed on Saturday, June the 16th at 10 a.m. at the DMV on Broad Street. Uh, if you cannot attend, I'll be looking to share as much information and recommendations from that meeting with you following the, the presentation, and we'll email those out. You can also find information about those results on our website, firstdistrictrva.com, and I'll also put those on Facebook, First District RVA on Facebook as well. If you want to contact me directly for any service issues or any other questions you might have, call me at 646-5935. You can also email me at andreas.addison at richmondgov.com. Please CC my liaison as well, Nicole.williams at richmondgov.com as well. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Addison. Uh, Mr. Agilasto. Thank you, Council President. Um, the previous announcements I mentioned, um, please 
exercise caution when heading down to the river. And there were, again, um, river rescues this past weekend, including a young adult um, out of the river. Um, you cannot get into the river by looking at it and knowing what the strength is. You really need to understand the river currents and when a life jacket is required and when entering the river is entirely prohibited. And the best way to learn about those rules are by visiting www.water.weather.gov. You're looking for the West Tim Gage reading and the signs are out at Belle Isle and other places that should be advising you about river conditions. Uh, but please exercise caution. Uh, we have had the highest rainfall in the month of May, which has made the river very, very high water levels, flood stage at times. And uh, we will continue to see uh, persistent conditions through the summer. Thank you. Um, I'd like to invite everybody out to our next 5th District cleanup this Saturday, June 16th, from 9 a.m. until 12 p.m., uh, where we will be tackling graffiti and litter and alley cleanups in the Oregon Hill as well as Randolph neighborhoods. And our meetup location will be at the intersection of Harrison at Idlewood and Grayland, uh, right there at the, uh, the convergence of the two neighborhoods. Also on Saturday, uh, over in the Swansboro neighborhood, uh, the 5th District Mini Farm is hosting uh, Drums in the Garden Part 2, and that will be on Saturday from 2 p.m. till 8 p.m. at 2208 Bainbridge Street. Tomorrow evening, there are several community meetings, including the Carillon Civic Association that will meet at June 12th, uh, 7 p.m. at Unity Christian Church. Sorry, not Unity Christian Church. Unity Church at 800 Blanton Avenue. There's also the VCU Neighborhood Forum tomorrow evening, June 12th at 4 p.m. at 601 West Broad Street. And this is for the neighborhood surrounding the university as an annual opportunity to come together and talk to the leadership about uh, issues affecting the neighborhood and to hear from VCU leadership about uh, proposals and plans for the future. Swansboro Civic Association is scheduled to meet on Thursday, June 14th at 6.30 p.m., and they will be meeting at Tower Ministries at uh, 118 Cowarden Avenue. The Woodland Heights Civic Association is also meeting on Thursday, June 14th at 7 p.m. at the Woodland Heights Baptist Church, located at 611 West 31st Street, and they will also be holding a safety subcommittee meeting on Wednesday, June 20th. If you have any questions, uh, please call Amy Robbins, 804-646-5724, for additional details regarding the Woodland Heights meeting and safety subcommittee. On June 18th, the Randolph Neighborhood Association will be meeting to plan for their national night out. Uh, reminder, national night out is August the 7th. And they, uh, the Richmond Police Department is currently taking applications and registrations for all civic associations. But the Randolph Neighborhood Association is seeking volunteers to attend this meeting on June 18th uh, so that they can begin to plan for uh, National Night Out. The meeting will take place at the Randolph Community Center, 1415 Grayland Avenue. 
And finally, the Bird Park Civic League is meeting Tuesday, June 19th at 6 p.m. in the Bird Park Roundhouse. My colleagues have already referenced um, the parking study uh, community meetings that will be informing the Richmond 300 master plan. And just as a reminder, tomorrow evening, I'm sorry, tomorrow morning, June 12th, the Carytown uh, focus area will be holding a public meeting at Studio 23 over in the Scotts Edition area beginning at 8 a.m. And then the Fan Uptown parking meeting is Wednesday, June 13th, beginning at 6.30 p.m. at DMV on West Broad Street. Lastly, I would just uh, like to say that Sunday is Father's Day. And please, um, you know, we always thank mothers on Mother's Day. And we also need to give uh, recognition to the dads in our community uh, who are also partaking in raising families and contributing greatly to our community. So uh, enjoy. There are plenty of activities in the 5th District uh, to do, including, and I, I have not seen these praises laid publicly uh, other than what I read in the Maymont uh, Board of Directors, but um, go to Maymont. Maymont was listed as the top picnic spot in the entire South, according to Southern Living Magazine. Maymont was also listed as the best free attraction in the entire state of Virginia, according to Reader's Digest. That's impressive when they have 35 miles of beach in Virginia Beach that's free. So kudos to Maymont. Uh, And lastly, they were also recognized as the best park in all of Virginia. So um, there's some good things happening over in the 5th District. Thank you, Council President. Thank you, Ms. Shadzalasto. Ms. Trammell. Thank you, Mr. President. I have a few announcements to make, probably more than what anybody else has. You know, it's pretty bad we can't get on Channel 17 and get some of the things out there that we all do, because I don't think half the time people in our district or even in the city realizes that we're out here seven days a week. But first of all, let me start off by saying exciting development is underway in our 8th District. Last Tuesday, Mayor LaVar Estonia, members of City Council, which is Kim, Kristen, and Cynthia, and I, along with the Board of Supervisor Dorothy Jackal, we um, took a tour. We're on a bus with um, Kim Schuler and others, and um, we visit the Marine Terminal and two construction sites in the 8th District at 4701 Commerce Road, just across Interstate 95 from the Richmond Marine Terminal. Batonia is building Phase 1, a 462,000-square-foot Structure with 75 loading docks. Phase two, another 462,000 square foot structure with 75 loading docks will be built once phase one is completed. Parking for approximately over 700 cars will be available for employees at these two facilities and it's estimated that the project will employ over 1,000 workers or more upon completion in our district, in our eighth district. Just up the street at 3021 Commerce Road, Mark. Corgan, uh, the Corgan Group is busy demolishing and recycling the Allegheny Warehouse site and will be transforming this property into d- industrial and business facilities along, totaling over 1.7 million square feet and numbers of new jobs. What is, dividing this, what is driving this development is our port. The Richmond Marine Terminal is just, in the last two years, the number of containers arriving at our port has increased from 5,000 to 26,000. 
annually, and port officials expect these figures to skyrocket once the Pantonia and Horgan sites are completed. None of this would be happening if some of my fellow council members had not supported our extensions of the lease at Richmond Marine Terminal to the port of Richmond for 40-year lease. I remember back in the day when Dorothy and I, um, the Board of Supervisor, would go over there and they said one ship would come up and we just couldn't believe it. And after all these years, this is finally happening. And not only that, we have to also give praise to um, Rick Gregory and his son for all their work over there as site works. Um, that's over there off of uh, Murray and Decatur with all their help that they're doing. This has um, brought in many, many jobs and many businesses. Um, we went to an event the other day, and now if you're not able to use the phone to call 911 in case you're in a predicament that you're not able to use the phone, you can text now. Um, if you can't call, you can now send a text message to 911 for emergency assistance in the city of Richmond, the city of Colonial Heights, Chesterfield County, Hanover County, Hemrichel County. If you can't, if you can text, if you can't, don't, you know, don't drive and try to text. This, um, this new method is for if you are deaf, hard of hearing, can't speak, or it is not safe for you to call 911. Provide the exact location of emergency in the text message. If you do not receive a reply by text or if you receive a reply that text is not available, please, please call 911. This right here, I want to thank the Richmond Free Press for speaking about, um, for having her article in here, Civic Leader Yvonne Spain dies at 77. I can remember working with her back in the day, and um, she was just somebody that never took no for an answer. She was always out there in the district. So many things that she wanted to do. She had her meetings, and she always talked about cleaning up over there by Belt Boulevard, um, Hall Street, that Parker's doing an excellent job with, with everything that he does with all the cleanups and um, with some of the students that he uses. But there was a lot of people that attended her meeting, former mayor that sat up there, Rudy McCullum was there, um, Samuel Taylor, who um, helped with Host 6, and um, that was in the Blackwell area, and Yvonne would always give her opinion, and she attended all of the meetings over there with us. Charles Anderson was also there. Um, so many people. And also, our treasure was there. She sung a beautiful song. Um, she has a beautiful voice. But anyway, I want to thank um, the Free Press for honoring Yvonne Spain because, as I said, back in the day, she fought for women who didn't even think they could stand up and fight for themselves. And um, she, she's definitely, she's been missed, I know that. Also, I want to thank the Free Press for um, doing something in my district. I'm not going to mention his name. You can pick up a Free Press. It came out last Thursday. It's on page um, A2. And um, it talks about the person in my district that received $1,750 credit for city trash feed charges. He's been charged for many years, overcharged. So, and it all deals with um, the utilities. I have the form, and I want to thank Kim for asking. This is the form right here. If you live in my district, if you live in my district, you can call me at 233-7382 or 240-5050, and I will tell you how you can download this um, application so that you, you're probably, since the city has so much money, we got so much money, 
since we just raised the meal tax and we just raised the feeds for your vehicles from $33, which I was always able to say that the city of Richmond was cheaper than anybody else, but now we're not because it's $40. That goes into effect July the 1st. But anyway, please, please take advantage of this and see how much money the city will owe you. Right here, it's in this free press. Pick it up, please, please, so you can get some back money and so you can also take advantage of it. And also, I know that so many people that are seniors, disabled, they don't even know about the um, taking advantage of where well, you don't have to pay um, your real estate tax. You get, that can get free, too. So, again, thank you, Richmond Free Press, for doing the story of the senior that lives in my district. Again, he got $1,750. I want to say this. I'm kind of upset about this, about this Blackwell historical. I have right here. Reva, Reva Trammell's name was not on here, and neither was Miss Ellen Robertson or Parker. The only person that got this was, um, and I, was, I thought she was going to say something, but I see she didn't. The only person got this was Kim Ching. Is that how you say his name? Chen. 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 Okay. And also Mayor LeVar Stoney and also Selena Cuffey-Glenn. They got this, not Reva, who's the council person in that 8th district. I got all the lists. And some of these names that I've seen on here, they're some of the ones that's come down here to city council begging us pleading with us, screaming at us. When are you going to clean up these blighted properties? When are you going to get them sold? When are you going to take care of them? They're bringing my neighborhood down. Um, I did not attend that meeting that they had. I think it was May the 21st, because I didn't really know about that meeting. And I did attend a meeting last Tuesday at Blackwell. And um, when I look on here, there's a lot of people that are, a lot of the stuff on here are rental property that's owned by people out of town, out of state, some, a few of them are RRHA's property. Um, like I said, I've been through this whole list. I've seen people's names on here. And Miss, um, let me see what's her name. Miss Julie Langan, I did meet with her Friday, and she did apologize to me. She thought, I guess she thought that maybe the mayor or Selena had reached out to me since I do meet with them once a month. Most of the time, um, but no. But anyway, this Thursday, anyone particular, the residents of Blackwell who would like to learn more about this proposed Blackwell Historical District should attend the meeting at BCTGM Union Hall, located at 231 East Belt Boulevard. There will be no charge to the city for me to have my meeting there this Thursday from 6 p.m. to 7.15. They have another meeting coming in at 7.30. If you have any questions concerning the, this process, you can it, your calls. She can answer your questions. You can give her a call. Her number is 804-482-6087. Again, that's 804-482-6087. Or you can even call her on her cell. We did get permission from her today. Her number is 385-6936. So, if you have any questions about what this historical thing is. Um, I still need to know more about it. Um, like I said, I think Ellen made a statement earlier when we had dinner that it really doesn't affect me and her because, even though we're the council members, we don't live there. So I guess we don't have a vote. I don't think it comes before. Am I right? I see you looking at me. Am I right? I should be looking at you. You're I'm sorry. Some, 
I should be looking at you. You're, say, you're calling my name out as the yes, one who said. Yes, I did. Yes, I did, because I did, uh, I did so speak I the truth. Yes, Mr. Mr. Tranwell, if we could have order. You got Mr. order. Mr. President, um, just for clarification, just so that what I said is not that it doesn't affect me. It affects me any time that citizens fail to feel like they've been well-informed about something as significant as the extension of the potential extension of the destination. The clarity is what I said is that certifications or letters of concerns in regards to this are only accepted from property owners that live within the designated area, which neither one of us live in that area. However, um, you know, I think there is more information that we need to acquire in the process as to what we could or could not do. But certainly the notification had been only sent to property owners, not in, even if they are renters there, they did, they did not necessarily send, a letter was not sent to those, it only was sent to the property owners. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, Thank I you. think it's Ms. a damn Trayla. shame. I think it's a shame that we council members are not informed when something like this happens in our district. And that's what I was getting at. It is a shame that we did not know about this. We should have known. I don't care if it was mentioned in the Free Press, the Times Dispatch, or wherever it was mentioned, on Channel 17 or whatever, that we don't have any, you know, we can't get on there to get our information out. And I think, did you ask earlier for someone to please, like, did you ask for someone to be here to maybe to explain this for a couple of minutes? Or you did not get the opportunity to ask? I did not get the opportunity to All right, thank to you. Ask. That's all right, Mr. President. But anyway, um, I just, when I look at this, I mean, I see many, many homeowners in here that I do know, and I see many, many seniors that are, that are probably upset because they fully don't understand exactly what they're getting ready to do. Um, because I don't think it comes back before council for a vote. Is that true? And they're going to – and also – yeah, no, it thank should. You. I'm sorry, wait a minute. And then also I think they're going to be – I'm sorry, Mr. President, what? No, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Well, I'm saying that when they go to vote on this, they're voting on this on June the 21st. That's next Thursday, and that is the night of my meeting that I have my 8th district meeting, that I have people that's going to come there from the city to explain to my citizens and anybody else that attends these meetings, because I have people from Chesterfield and people from um, Amelia County and even Powhatan that come there to get those packages that's full of information, because they take it back and want to know, all right, how can they get it, how can they get these forms to also, will they be exempt from some of this that the city exempts them with their utilities? So... We, I will not be able to attend that meeting wherever it's going to be when they do that vote. But again, like I said, this Thursday night, and they did show up last Tuesday at the Blackwell meeting from, I think, they were, I think the meeting was over two hours. And there might have been a maybe six people, eight people that lived, that raised their hand that lived in a Blackwell area. And there was, like I said, it was a lot of, you know, information that, or a lot of, questions that the people, when I was leaving there, said that they didn't feel like that their, some of their questions were answered. And all I made a statement, I would like to see the citizens from Blackwell come out there and give their opinion on what they wanted to see, or if they were in favor or not in favor of this. But um, again, 
I don't think it's right when something happens in our district and we are not informed of it. So if you want to come out and know more about this, come out there this um, Thursday night at 6 p.m. to 7.15, 231 East Belt Boulevard. And again, I will give you all her name and number again. Um, Julie Langhane, um, 804-482-6087. That's her office. And she said, call her on her cell, 804-385-6936. Also, um, again, our meeting will be next Thursday, June the 21st, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Satellite 4000 block of Jefferson Davis. If you have any questions, you can call me or at my home at 233-7382 or my personal cell, 240-5050. And also, I'm going to say, if the people, and I don't mind you all calling me, it doesn't matter what district you live in, I try to help everybody in this city. But if you call me and I'm not able to give you a council person's number. I will give you Ms. Lou Ali's number, who is the chief of staff, and her number is 646-5921, 646-5921. So the people that are calling me cannot get in touch with their council person, call Ms. Lou Ali. She's our chief of staff. Thank you. And also I want to thank Rick Bishop for all his hard work that he does when he makes those packages. And also please, like I said, Thank you, Rick, for all your hard work, and also want to thank our staff on our third floor for all their hard work, and also your, your staff, Candace. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Uh, Vice President Newbill. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, just a few announcements. On tomorrow, Tuesday, June 12th, the Fulton Civic Association will hold its meeting at 7 p.m. at the Neighborhood Resource Center located at 1619 Williamsburg Road. Uh, on w this Wednesday, June 13th, uh, Lieutenant James Killingsworth, patrol officers of the 1st Precinct, and community members will conduct a neighborhood community walk in our Creighton Court community. Uh, we'll meet at 2101 Creighton Road, and that will be at 5 p.m. on Wednesday, June 13th. The Unity Civic League will uh, hold its meeting uh, this Thursday, June 14th, at 6.30 p.m. at the St. Peter's Church, located at 1719 North 22nd Street. The market at 25th Street, currently under construction, will host a job fair and Father's Day cookout uh, this Sunday, June 17th, from 1 to 4 at the Mount Olivet Church, located at 1223 North 25th Street. Uh, the pastor there is Bishop Husband, encouraging all to come out. Uh, the jobs uh, we're looking uh and the supermarket's looking to hire nearly 100 team members, jobs at all skill levels, entry level, management level, and specialized department positions, full-time and part-time positions, uh, competitive hourly pay and salaries, fresh start program. People with criminal backgrounds are not disqualified and are welcome to apply. Priority will be given to local applicants with the goal of 60 to 65 percent hired right from our neighborhoods. And so, again, Father's Day, come out. Um, this, again, will be at Mount Olivet Church, an opportunity for 
uh, all to make uh, application for uh, positions in the market at 25th Street. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Vice President Newbill. Ms. Trammell. Mr. President, I forgot something. It's the only thing that's free right now in the city. Nothing else is free. If you want to smoke alarm, you call 646-1526, 646-1526, and these firefighters will come to your home. They'll install the smoke alarm for you for free. And if it needs a battery, they'll put the battery in. And it's only the firefighters. They, they will do this. And we just hope and pray that um, President Donald Trump keeps giving the funding for these smoke alarms. And also, I want to thank I want to take this time to thank all of our police officers for all the hard work that they do, and also um, our firefighters, our sheriff's office, and also the security here in 911 and the Richmond Ambulance Authority. I want to thank you all for your hard work, because if we didn't have you all, where would we be? I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't want to know. But anyway, again, thank you all. Thank the chief. And also, again, I want to thank Deputy Police Chief Steve Drew for all of his hard work that he's done for over 25 years. He will be missed. It's our loss and their gain. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Ms. Trammell. Uh, Vice President Newbill. Thank you, Mr. President. I do apologize. I have one more announcement. Uh, the, uh, this year's um, Juneteenth event uh, a Freedom Celebration sponsored by the Lake Bar Folklore Society will be held June 15th through 17th, and it will kick off on the 15th at Pine Camp uh, and will culminate on the 17th uh, at the African Burial Ground. For more information, call the Lake Bar Folklore Society at 644-3900. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, Madam Vice President, the district uh, meeting in June will be held June the 28th at the North Avenue uh, Branch Library located at 2901 North Avenue at 6 p.m. Uh, the North Avenue uh, Branch of the library uh, is located one block south of Brooklyn Park Boulevard on North Avenue. Uh, the focus will be on uh, safety preparedness as we head into the uh, the seasons of uh, hurricanes and tropical storms. Uh, did want to let you know uh, about that meeting. This coming Saturday, June the 16th, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., our station 14, located at 2932 Hawthorne Avenue, will hold an open house uh, at that time. It will be an opportunity to interact with those at service and to learn more about the department as well as await, excuse me, raising awareness and funds for sickle cell studies. So come to Pollard Park, which is across the streets at the corner of Chamberlain Avenue and Brooklyn Park Boulevard uh, to serve, or excuse me, to participate in the sickle cell awareness and Richmond fire and safety event. And Madam Clerk, that is, that is all the, uh, the announcements that we have. If you would uh, introduce the papers. Mr. President, the introduction papers for this evening are as follows. The following items will be considered by City Council on Monday, June 25th at 6 o'clock p.m. An ordinance to authorize the CAO to accept $500 from Petro Pico Foundation and to appropriate Petco, I do apologize, and to appropriate to the Department of Fire and Emergency Services for K-9 and handler training and supplies for accelerant detection recertification. 
an ordinance to authorize the CAO to accept $138,000 from the Virginia Department of Social Services and to appropriate to the Office of the DCAO of Human Services Richmond AmeriCorps Program for the expanding, for expanding opioid and prescription drug abuse prevention and recovery services. An ordinance to authorize the CAO to accept $279,000 from GRTC for the purpose of assisting businesses affected by the prolonged construction of the Pulse BRT by providing parking and beautification-related programs. An ordinance to authorize the CAO to accept $800,000 $90,000 from the Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation and to appropriate to the Main Street Station Multimodal Transportation Center for Phase 3 development. An ordinance to authorize the CAO to accept $5.5 million from the Federal Transit Administration and to appropriate to the Main Street Station Multimodal Transportation Center for the Phase 3 development. An ordinance to amend the FY18 general fund budget by transferring, transferring and reappropriating $110,000 for the purpose of ensuring appropriations properly reflect the assignment of personnel and procurement of goods and services within the sheriff's office. An ordinance to amend the FY18 general fund budget by transferring and reappropriating $130,000 for the purpose of ensuring appropriations properly reflect the assignment of personnel and procurement of goods and services within the, within the Department of Planning and Development Review. An ordinance to amend the FY18 general fund budget by transferring and reappropriating $1.3 million for the purpose of ensuring appropriations properly reflect the assignment of personnel and procurement of goods and services within the Department of Fire and Emergency Services, a resolution to approve expenditures in the total amount of $287 from the Council District Funds for the May and June 8th District Committee meetings. A resolution to approve expenditures in the amount of $296 from the Council District Funds for the 7th District Community Meeting on May 12th and May 30th. A resolution to approve an expenditure of $425 from the Council District Funds for the 8th District Community Meeting on May 17th. A resolution to approve an expenditure in the amount of $425 from the Council District Funds for the June 8th District Community Meeting. A resolution to approve an expenditure of $525 from the Council District Funds to pay for catering services for the 6th District Meeting to be held on July 3rd. A resolution to approve an expenditure of $600 from the Council District Funds for the 7th District to make a donation to RRHA to assist with the cost of community programs in Creighton, Fairfield, and Mosby Courts for summer 2018. The following items will be considered at the Land Use, Housing, and Transportation Standing Committee meeting on Tuesday, June 19th at 1 o'clock p.m. An ordinance to designate the 3100 block of Hawthorne Avenue in honor of Clarence L. Towns, Jr., Clarence Lee Towns, Jr. An ordinance to designate the 2200 block of Bainbridge Street in honor of Percy J. Minor, Sr. 
a resolution to express City Council support for and request the Commonwealth Transportation Board to provide funding for the city's Smart Scales candidate projects for 2018. The following items will be considered at the Finance and Economic Development Standing Committee on Thursday, June 21st at 5 o'clock p.m. An ordinance to amend the city code for the purpose of setting forth the role of the Director of Economic Development and providing certain city real estate services. A resolution to adopt pursuant to city code section 21-44 procedures for utilizing construction management or design bill contracts. The following items will be considered by Planning Commission on Monday, July 16th at 1.30 p.m. An ordinance to close to public use and travel a portion of rail, Railroad Avenue between West 13th and Fort, West 14th Streets, a portion of the west side of West 13th Street between Riverview Parkway and rail, Railroad Avenue, a portion of the south side of Riverview Parkway near West 14th Street extended, and to authorize the CEO to accept a dedication of right-of-way improvements and property in connection with the closing of the portion of Railroad Avenue. An ordinance to amend and reordain the city code to modify the White House of Confederacy Old and Historic District. An ordinance to rezone 4910, 4920, and 4930 Forest Hill Avenues from the B2 Community Business and Plan of Development Overlay District to UB2 Urban Business District. An ordinance to amend the use of 5901 Patterson Avenue and 804 Maples Avenue to authorize the use of the property for office and personal service uses upon certain conditions. An ordinance to authorize the conditional use of 939 Meyer Street for, the, for a nightclub upon certain conditions. Mr. President, that concludes the reading for the new legislation for this evening. Thank you, Madam Clerk. There being no further business for this council, I call this meeting adjourned. Well, about an hour and a half, a little more than that, from the time we got started tonight, started just after 2 to 6 o'clock. Um, we had the uh, call to order. We had the appointment. There were no appointments or reappointments tonight. Awards and presentations, just one, and that was to uh, our deputy police chief, uh, Stephen R. Drew, who is leaving the city after several years to become the chief of police in Newport News. So we wish... Uh, Mr. Drew, Officer Drew, Chief Drew, congratulations, and uh, we're all hoping you do a very good job, which we know you're going to do. Okay, we got the citizens' comment period and uh, agenda review. The consent agenda took about eight minutes from the time it was introduced till the time it was approved. Um, we got to uh, item number uh, 2018-110. Ordinance, and this was the one about the residency requirements, and it was amended to uh, basically expand that list. And uh, once that amendment was uh, approved, the paper was then continued until the uh, next meeting, which will be two weeks from tonight, the 25th of June. Uh, then we got to the approval of minutes, reports of council, introduction of papers, and we are adjourned until June 25th. So we look forward to seeing you at that time. And so until that time, 
For Gavel to Gavel, I'm Dick Harmon saying good night.